Well, it was the night before the Feast of Passover, a pretty big event in the life of first century Jewish culture. It was a Thursday night, and Jesus had had a pretty rough week, and it was about to get a little darker. And that last night, he wanted to have a dinner with his friends. He had 11 or 12 of these guys that had followed him for several years, and he thought, this is going to be a good time for us to just not be around the crowds. We're just going to gather together, have a meal together, and celebrate. Now, he knew what was ahead, but his 12 really didn't completely understand what was about to happen. And Jesus knew that. He knew there was some confusion in the room. He knew that as he's been talking the last, especially the last several months of his life, they didn't get a lot of this. They didn't know what was coming. But in that meal, and yes, all the 12 were there, even, even Judas, who was going to betray him. They were all there in that room, and uh, about halfway through the meal, Jesus does something kind of out of ordinary. Being part of a meal, you usually wouldn't do something like this, but he took off his outer cloak and grabbed a basin of water, and he got on his hands and knees, and all... 24 of those smelly feet, he went through and washed their feet. 12 pairs of full-grown man feet right there in the meal. I hope they had their main course first, you know what I'm saying? He goes around and he finally gets to, to Peter. And as is, as is usually the, the situation with Peter... Peter opens his mouth first, thinks second. But he opens his mouth and says, Jesus, you're not doing that to me. You're not, you're not going to do that to me. And I can imagine Jesus smiling at Peter and saying, look, Peter, if I, don't, if I don't cleanse you, you have no part with me. You know, you could take that deeper, right? Jesus is probably thinking cleanse you from sin. Peter wasn't thinking that. He's just thinking you're not going to wash the dirt off my feet. I mean, you're the rabbi. We know he's a king of the universe, and yet he's on his hands and knees washing their feet. And Peter says, no way. Jesus says, no, you got to, if I'm not cleansing you, you have no part with me. And so then, as usual, Peter opens his mouth again and says, well, then wash the whole thing. Wash the whole thing. And, and I, I can imagine Jesus just smiling through that whole exchange. But what was the feeling in that room? What was the feeling there? Just the, the atmosphere of Jesus on his hands and on, on his knees washing feet. You see, I think there's a, there's a key, key value of leadership in that moment. And it's one word, servanthood. Jesus served. That's how he led. And you see this play out in a number of different ways throughout the Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John accounts of Jesus being a servant. Even at times where it didn't even make sense for him, he would tend to lead by serving. 
Now, a couple of years into the starting of this church, we were borrowing space from Whitworth Elementary School. And there was one Sunday where the setup and teardown crew had already left. It was about 12.30. And I kind of liked to, you know, when we, when we were at the schools, we were at Whitworth for several years, then we were at the high school for several years. And I always wanted to make sure, as kind of a leader, I wanted to make sure that I did a final check. And so I would usually, when everybody's gone, I would walk through the different classrooms we borrowed just to make sure stuff was in place and that sort of thing, kind of a, a general check. And uh, that particular Sunday, and this happened more than once, but this particular one sticks out in my head because everybody had, had gone at that point, and I, I thought, well, I better do a bathroom check. <clears throat> and I could smell it before I got there that someone had left a, a surprise in the bathroom. And I didn't want to leave it that way. I didn't want the janitors to give us, you know, kind of look at us as these people that kind of abuse the space or whatever. So I'm the only guy there. So I realize I'm going to have to just do this. I go into the bathroom. I go to open the stall, and the stall is locked. I'm in my slacks, and I'm realizing now i got to crawl under the stall to then get to the mess that I need to clean up. And I remember thinking, as soon as I got on the other side of that stall and unlocked it, I'm the pastor of this church, and I got to do this. I realize now that that was not the right reaction. I realize that that was very maybe selfish of me, somehow like this is beneath me, right? I realize that wasn't the right attitude. I'm just confessing this to you now. You know that I'm a sinful person. I was having some struggles with my attitude while I was cleaning up that mess. But it reminds me again of a key value that we hold as a church, that if you're going to be a leader here, or really, if you want to be part of our church family, serving is part of who we are. And we get that modeled by the life of Jesus. We're trying to follow him, and that's hard. He chose to lead by serving. And for us as a church family, we've held from the beginning that leadership in the church here is about serving. It's about doing those tasks that you think might be beneath you. There was a book written, it was a really powerful book, written in 1964 by a guy named Robert Greenleaf. And he wrote a book, and, and listen to the title, The Servant as a Leader, as if he created this whole idea, right? We know it was Jesus. Anyway, he wrote this book in 1964, big deal, because a lot of corporations were sort of run by these CEOs, and this is the way it's going to be, and I'm the president of this company. So this book comes out and kind of throws it all, you know, like a turns the whole business world upside down. And he wrote this in that book. He said, the servant leader is servant first. It begins with the natural feeling that one wants to serve. This was a radical reformation in business leadership, that you would actually serve the people that you're working with, that as the president you would choose to serve, roll up your sleeves and actually get dirty. And part of our church family that's a big value that we have, that if you're going to be a leader, you're going to be willing to serve, even if that means crawling under a stall. I hope you never have to do that. But even if it means crawling under a stall and, and cleaning a bathroom. Look, we know this to be true. We know this inherently that 
we, we follow leaders better when they are willing to do the hard things too. Like when we see a leader being willing to, to do the hard thing, then it's not like he's calling us to do something he's not willing to do. We, we admire leaders like that, leaders that are willing to get in the trenches with us, willing to not only you know, hold the responsibility of leadership, but also hold the responsibility of working side by side. There's something powerful about being a servant to the people around us. Now, if you're new here, I just want to say welcome. This is a series we've been in called Welcome to D.C., and the whole point of this series is really showing the key values of our church family. We have six of them, six core values, and so we've been going through these values Sunday by Sunday, and we got one more next week. Uh, if you missed any of them, you can always catch up on that, but it's a great thing if you're new because you'll really get a sense of where we're headed and why we do what we do. Values drive what we do. Now, we all have values, whether you write them down or not. We make decisions every day based on values. You, you have values, you, you place value on relationships, on, on you know, what you believe about the world, about people. We're making decisions all the time, and those are based on values. Again, that may be not written down, but we still work by values. And we too, as a church family, have values. We started in week one. If you were here, we talked about everyday worship and prayer. And that as a church family, we really want to elevate the idea that you're a follower of Christ for all 168 hours of the week, not just one hour a week, right? So we were talking about everyday worship and prayer. Day by day, we worship and pray. In week two, Andrew did a great job. He talked about the idea of relational discipleship. You see, discipleship in Scripture was never some kind of a notebook with fill-in-the-blank answers. It was never an academic sort of advancement. Relational discipleship is how Jesus modeled what it means to be in his kingdom. And so that's how we grow as disciples is in relationship with each other. That We talked about that in week two. And, and uh, last weekend we talked about this idea of life together, that we value life together. When we do life together, we're just better. We're better when we do life together. And so we talked about that last weekend, and today we're going to talk really heavy, you've already figured it out, about servant leadership. So let's, let's pause for a moment and pray. That'd be all right. And could you, if you're okay with this, would you, um, would you stand with me when we pray? <clears throat> Feels like we got some camaraderie when we do that. And, and if, you, if you're okay with that, would you open your hands? By the way, this is the number one prayer pro- posture in the Bible. We often think about prayer this way, but actually this is the way you see it in Scripture. Crying out to God, let's pray. Father, we come before you with open hands and open hearts. Would you speak to us on this idea of serving one another? Father, help us to model our lives of servanthood around your son Jesus and the way he served and loved us, even to the end, by giving up his life for us on the cross. So, Father, we come before you humbly, asking for you to speak to our hearts. Challenge us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So Jesus, obviously, is our key model of servant leadership. You can't look at his life without seeing a servant through and through. And that story that I related to you when we started is from John chapter 13. Again, during a pretty rough week that he had in his life, but even to the end, he was serving all the way through. Some of the other scriptures that really speak to this idea of what Jesus did when he came, he said this about himself. He said, you know what? For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In John 10, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. 
John 15 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. You see, there's a sense of love all the way through and through that for us, servanthood is not just the way we live, but servanthood means that we'll even put our life out there in front of someone else to save someone else. There's a, a writer and speaker named Simon Sinek, and he became famous from a TED talk that he did, uh, I think on the why, the power of why. But in 2013, he wrote a book called Leaders Eat Last. And in this book, he talks, it's a great book, by the way, but he talks about you know, the different ideas of what real leadership is like. And, uh, and one of the things he said in that book is he said this, the cost of leadership is self-interest. The cost of leadership is self-interest. That what you're giving away is your own self-interest when you choose to be a leader. What a, what a powerful thing. Now, in fact, I'd kind of forgotten this story that Simon Sinek talked about, but in one of his talks, part of some of the, uh, the, the material from this book came from a trip that he took to Kenya in 2013. If you remember this, there was a brutal shooting that happened at the Westgate Mall in Kenya in 2013 that took the lives of 71 people. It was a horrible horrible tragedy, but there was a photo that made it in Time Magazine. I don't, you'll have to Google it later, but uh, there was a mom that was there with her kids that day at the mall, and there's just this powerful photo of her laying over her children to protect them from the bullets, and Simon Sinek said, that is a leader. Right there is a leader that automatically you're protecting someone else. Oh, man, that is powerful stuff. And I think about it, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He is that leader, and it was automatic. Wow. But the cost of leadership is self-interest, that you've just decided someone else is more important than you, and that's the heart of our Savior Jesus, all the way through. Now, when it comes, comes to serving, there's one story in the Bible that always gives me pause. When I read it, I'm disturbed and challenged at the same time. Jesus talked about final judgment. You know, Jesus did talk about judgment. I realize in, in church culture now, we don't talk a lot about sin and consequences, heaven and hell. Those are like things, oh, we don't want to talk about because it's going to offend people. But listen, Jesus did talk about final judgment. We, you can't read the scriptures without seeing him talk at least a little bit about it. And I realize it's not easy. In fact, this particular scripture probably disturbs me more than anything. And it's in Matthew chapter 25. Some of you know this already. Jesus uses a metaphor of two different groups of, of well, animals. He talks about sheep and goats. And if you're familiar with the story, maybe you too are, are equally as disturbed and challenged at the same time. Because what he does is he's looking at both of these groups, and they're both would be considered religious people. Like, he's not talking to people who have no idea who God is or even care. These are people that are calling themselves faithful. They, they're following God. These are, they're in the religious camp. And so Jesus tells the story about sheep and goats. And I got to tell you, again, it's, it's disturbing because he talks about the sheep and that they were willing to do practical things for other people. I mean, it wasn't even religious things. 
It's not like he's telling the story about the sheep and goats about attending a church service or bowing down to pray in a certain way. Those would be like religious activities. The activities that Jesus presents in that story of final judgment with sheep and goats is practical ways to help somebody. Like, I think he talks about giving someone a cup of water. They, They need a cup of water. That's like super practical. Or, or maybe that someone needs clothing and you're going to give them some clothing. This is what the sheep were willing to do. And then we talked about the goats. They were those who were really religious but didn't seem to do those practical things of serving someone else. And that was the factor in judgment. And that story convicts me every time. Because I think, I mean, look, our good deeds will never do that. That, that, that's like, that saves us right there. Great, that, faith in that, what Jesus did for us on the cross, he didn't stay there, he rose from the dead. He said, hello everybody, I'm, I'm alive again. That's amazing, that's the gospel story, that God loves us in our mess, right? That nothing's going to replace that. But how, what we do after we've met Jesus means that it should flow into loving other people. Because that's who he was. This idea of loving other people. That was like, so because of this, we love. And so when Jesus tells the story of sheep and goats, it it can't help but convict us. It's like, so then what am I doing for the least of these? Jesus said, whenever you've done one of these small practical things for the least of these, you've done it to me. You've served me by serving the least of these. That is convicting to me. I hope it's making you a little uncomfortable. This should just stir us to go, oh, it, it is important. Jesus talked about serving one another as a pretty key thing, and he never separates this idea of serving him with faith. He doesn't put like religious stuff in one corner and good deeds in another corner. They're intertwined. You know what I mean? They're like part of our faith. It's like faith in action, right? James, one of the other writers in Scripture, talks about uh, Faith and good works together, working together, not separated, but together. Because of our great faith, we want to follow Jesus and how we serve people. Jesus spoke very candidly about that, giving the thirsty something to drink, uh, clothing people, visiting strangers and the lonely. He even talked about visiting the sick and visiting people in prison, which means showing kindness to people who are criminals. And that's part of showing the world that we have a great Savior who loves them. This is idea of serving other people. So that's the question today. How's your serve? Like, if you were to ask people in your life how, how well you're, you're doing at servanthood, how would they answer that question? Okay, let's take it up a notch. Let's talk to your friends when you're not around. What would they say about you? That you're willing to to go the extra mile. That what we say often, right? We say, that guy would give you the, the, the shirt off his back. What would people say about you? Would they say, man, I don't know that I believe what they believe, but they sure seem to care about other people. And, and, and if that's not something that people would naturally say about you, maybe that's a gut check moment. That you're like, hey, Lord, Maybe this is, that's, that might be your thing this week as you get on your knees with the Lord and say, hey, help me have a servant's heart in every circle that we're in. 
could be at work, could be in the community, could be in your neighborhood, but pray that God would break your heart to serve people. That's a good prayer. Lord, break my heart for other people. May, may I see them the way you do? Because that is showing really the servant's heart, and that's how you lead. Like, would, are you the first person to, to help set up or help tear down or crawl under the stall and get that thing? I'm just kidding. I brought that up again. I'm, I'll, I'll quit talking about it. It's still fresh on my mind. But anyway, are you that person? You have circles of influence. You can be a servant even in small ways. So what is one way you could serve someone this week? It could be simple. I mean, yeah, it could be something like maybe you are going to mow the lawn for somebody. I don't know. Your neighbor could, could use some help or they could use some help getting some groceries to and from their car. Or you know what you could do? What if you just invested a little of your time to serve somebody? What if the next time you're at the mailbox and you happen to have see a neighbor there that you rarely see out, which is typical it seems like these days, you're, it's hard to connect with neighbors, but what if just so happened that they are at the, at the mailbox the same time you are. What if you just invested your time and you were just curious about their life? I mean, just, yeah, how, yeah what's going on, man? What's, what's, what do you do for a living? Or, or, hey, you know, man, you see that game the other day? I mean, just investing a little of your time. We're such an isolated culture anymore. Social media hasn't helped this. Like, what if you could just be curious? Do you know that when you look at the life of Jesus, he tended to be all about questions all the time. I mean, most of his interactions that we see and recorded for us, he's asking questions. Why? Why would you ask questions? I just asked one. <laughs> Why? To get the back and forth, right? You're getting, you're getting to know somebody. You're, getting, you're actually spending time getting to know someone's story. What if, what if your way to serve this week is just being curious? What if it's just being curious? I was at the gas station a couple days ago. It was Friday and, um, you know, I don't think school, school's already let out, right? School's out. So uh, I went to this gas station over here. I, I always go to the same gas station because I've tried to build some friendships with some of these guys. And, um, and they're, they're part of my, my five right there. They're on that list. So don't steal them from me, okay? But I go to the same gas station. I know their names. I've been praying for them, and I've told them that. But, um, yep, even the pastor has to do it, okay? Uh, but I go to this gas station, and then I just struck up a conversation. He looked totally bored. And I think part of it was, with, you know, with school out, there's not as much traffic. So he's like, yeah, there's only been like three people that have come through this hour. And so we were talking about dumb stuff, the weather, he likes my old truck. It was just kind of this cool interaction. It took about maybe five minutes. But it's being curious and actually interacting. And that's even more golden now than it's ever been. Like if you could invest your time in somebody, even just a few minutes, that could, that could open a whole huge, beautiful thing if you're just willing to invest a couple. So that could be your serve this week. I don't know what that is, but choose something. And hey, I would be remiss in saying this, okay? I'd be bad, bad leader if I didn't say that. If, if you have a gifting and a talent and ability and you haven't joined one of our ministry teams, plug, join one of those ministry teams. It's a good thing. It's a Develop some great friendships that way, by the way. Um, in fact, I know that coming up, we're going to need some help with our, 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 our lawn is starting to grow again. I don't, I don't know. You know, it's kind of typical Oregon, right? During, during the summer, everything's brown around here. But around this time, everything starts to go green and stuff starts to grow. I don't understand how this works. But we could use some help mowing the lawn. I don't know what that is for you, but join a ministry team. Jared, you're welcome. I just plugged that. Okay. So what are some... <laughs> that five bucks later. Uh, 
Some practical ways that we can embrace this as a church family. This idea of servant leadership. I read a, a, a this is going to sound strange, I, I read a, an article in Forbes magazine, came out recently, and it's by this gal named uh, Cheryl Williamson. And it's amazing to me how this idea of servant leadership has really taken hold in business culture. Like it's a big deal in business culture. Because do you know the number one reason why people leave their jobs? It's not money. You know what it is? They don't feel appreciated and bad management. They don't feel appreciated and bad management. Way higher than the salary that they get. It matters. And so this has become huge in business. Like there's whole business seminars that aren't even, they're not religious at all, but they're using Jesus principles about servant leadership. I love that. But uh, this gal wrote this article uh, and she wrote this, sometimes people confuse leadership with dictatorship. A dictator barks out orders and does not take into account the wants and needs of other people. A servant leader is the complete opposite. A servant leader works tirelessly to develop his or her people and is focused on what they can do for others. That's the heart of a true leader. Interesting that now it's in business culture, but we all know it came from Jesus. Okay. They won't admit that, but I think it came from Jesus. We'll claim that one anyway. So here's a couple practical things I thought were helpful, even from this article. She, talk, she talked about this, number one, let others see you serve and encourage them to join you. Now, this is a big deal, I think, even for, for millennials and the, the next generation. Many of those younger folks want to actually be doing something physical for helping someone. They want to they have action. They want to see action taken. That's a great thing to do to involve them in serving. A great thing to have people see you serve, and you can encourage them to join you. Um, make sure, number two, make sure they know you care. That's a big one, right? Make sure they know you care. Huge deal when you're leading people. Number, number three is invest in people. In fact, I just mentioned that idea of being curious and asking questions of people. Actually invest a little of your time to find out someone else's story. That's so powerful. Invest in people. And here's the last one that she mentions. Don't place restrictions on your willingness to serve. Even if it means, I'm going to say it again, crawling under the stall. Okay, okay. You get my point. Jesus said point blank. Look, and you've heard it before, even if you've never been around church circles for a long time, the last will be first, the first will be last. It's not like Jesus was holding back information. He just blankly just said it right there, point blank. And behold, some who are last will be first, some who are first will be last. Luke 13, 30. Many who are last will be first. Servanthood is what he's talking about. It's been said that leadership is influence. Leadership is influence. And in Christ, we influence people by serving them. That's how that works. And when we serve them, we're showing them the love of God. And do you remember what Jesus said about how people would know us? It's by our love. Not our doctrinal statements, our bumper stickers on our cars and our T-shirts. It's by love. And when we serve people, we are showing love. I've only got one point today. Live to serve. That's it. Live to serve. Hashtag it, Instagram it, I don't care. Live to serve. That's our lifestyle. That is the posture of every follower of Christ, but especially if you're going to be a leader in our church, you need to be willing to serve.
You need to be willing to serve. Because when you're doing that, you're reflecting the heart of Jesus by serving. Live to serve. Helen Keller once said this, life is an exciting adventure in a business and most exciting when it's lived for others. There's this poet, I'm going to paraphrase him, uh, Khalil Gibran said, serving is love made visible. I love that. Serving is love made visible. You know? Serving is love made visible. Imagine what impact we could have as a church family if this is the posture that we embraced as much as possible. Think about what that would look like in this town. That, you know, people might say, well, I don't know if I believe what they believe. I don't know if I'm, I'm into this Jesus thing, but they sure seem to serve and love people. And that, what if that were our calling card? That could be huge. More than a slogan or a bumper sticker or anything like that, we would show them love, and that would be the thing that would be the game changer. Imagine what that would be like in their city, in our church family, in your family. If we looked at servanthood, especially, you know, think about marriage, how important it is for husbands and wives to serve each other, to love each other. Guys, when we do that in our homes for our wives, we're showing Christ-like love when we serve, right? Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and we know that you're good and you're mighty and you're powerful, and you, 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 you've created us and allowed us to be in a relationship with you through Jesus Christ, and you've, you've called us to serve like your son Jesus did, to serve the world, to, to serve needs, to put other people's needs above our own. So Lord, help us embrace that sort of lifestyle today, every day. We know it's hard, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, you can do immeasurably more than any of us could ask or imagine according to your power. So God, use us to serve the city. Use us to serve like Jesus served, and in that, the world would see the love that you have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If any of that stirred and you want to talk a little bit more, you can hit our, our, our welcome table there. I'll be over here. Uh, if you want to talk a little bit more, have some prayer today, it might have stirred something up for you, and I want to give you time to that. Right now, the band's going to play some songs, and we're going to enter what we call uh, communion or the Lord's Supper. We offer this every week because it's kind of a big deal for us. This is ground zero for every follower of Christ. What we do is we come forward, and we take a little bit of bread that represents Jesus' broken body, then we dip that into juice that reminds us of his blood that was shed for us on the cross. And we remember what he did for us, the great sacrifice and his great love for us, our servant leader, Jesus. So take some time as the band plays some songs. Come forward. Uh, spend some time in prayer. If you're a follower of Christ, this is for you. Come forward and, and take that at your leisure. There's also some places to extend your worship through giving. So we encourage you to do that. There's some giving boxes out here. But uh, really do some business with, with God today in meditation and prayer and these songs that we're going to sing in communion. Really consider Jesus serving you and how you